Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. Remember to subscribe to our free podcast so you won't miss any of our illuminating content. Here is episode 225. And that's when I started asking the question, what is good leadership? Benjamin Franklin once said, Do not curse the darkness, rather light a candle instead. If you're ready to set your mind on fire, then prepare yourself for the Luminous Mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman. Today's fire starter is Sunny Giles. Sunny is the author of The New Science of Radical Innovation and founder of Quantum Leadership Group, a program based on her breakthrough research, which transforms leaders into ones that fit to deliver radical innovation. She has an MBA from the University of Chicago Booth School of Business and a PhD in System Psychology, Marriage and Family Therapy. She's a TEDx speaker on radical innovation and an advisor for the Stanford Business School Institute of Innovation and Developing Economies. Her global leadership research was published on Harvard Business Review and has columns in Forbes magazine. Grounded on solid leading edge research, she helps catalyze leaders to produce radical innovation by harnessing VUCA. Welcome, Sunny. Thank you. I'm so excited to hear. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to hear more about your research in your new book, The New Science of Radical Innovation, The Six Competencies Leaders Need to Win in a Complex World. However, before we get into all of that, can you please tell our audience a little bit more about yourself? Yes, I live in Utah, and I was born and raised in Korea, so I came here to go to school in college as a college student, and I ended up staying here, and uh, now I'm an American citizen. Well, that's exciting. Do you have a family or anything like that then? Yeah, I have one one daughter. She is 16 years old. Oh, wow. She's in high school. So <laughs> I empathize with all this, all the parents that are struggling with teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a fun adventure for sure. Yeah. So, so I'd love to hear some background into the why behind your message of your book, The New Science of Radical Innovation. What do you mean by radical innovation, first off? So in a, there are two different types of innovations. One is radical. The other one is incremental. Radical innovation is the kind that produces minimum 10x improvements, whether it be customer experience, cost, revenues, or speed, convenience, whatever it is. It needs to deliver a minimum 10, 10x improvements on the current experience. Otherwise, the customer will not feel like it is differentiated enough to be radical. So if you want to produce radical innovation, you need to shoot for 10x improvements on the current performance. The second thing is that it has to be a fundamental, it has to be a fundamentally different solution than what there is um, currently. So when I say fundamentally different, how value is created currently. So if you look at the entire value chain, and find a way to differentiate your products fundamentally from the existing solutions. That is a second condition to meet. And the third condition is that it has to be a platform, meaning it's a, it's a foundation, a framework upon which other incremental uh, complementary products and services can build their offerings on. 
So those three conditions define a innovation to be radical. And on anything else, anything that doesn't satisfy all three of those, those conditions are incremental. Well, that's great. What helped inspire you to be able to move in the, your passion in this direction of, you know, figuring out these um, six leadership skills that we needed in our world? I mean, what was the kind of the background to that? Well, so I was working for a Fortune 500 company. And one day I, so I was tasked with presenting a uh, global brand marketing strategy for a, a sub-brand within that corporate brand. So my colleagues and I huddled together. We, you know, we developed the strategy based on um, other people's input, other people's input, as well as research. We spent about three weeks putting it all together. And so we huddled around a conference room and we sent the deck to our uh, boss's boss. And then we, and then, and then she dialed in for the conference uh, conference call. And then we huddled in our conference room and then we started. So I started taking her through the deck, three pages into it. And she goes, you know, Sunny, I have more knowledge under my big toenail than you do in the brain of yours. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> uh, when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, what did I really hear what I thought I heard? And I was like shocked, flabbergasted. And the guy that was sitting next to me, he was the director of product development, and he hurriedly muted the phone and he said, oh, we forgot to warn you. That's her standard line. She says that to everybody. And that's when I said, oh my gosh, I can't believe what's happening. So, I mean, this was not a mom and pop shop. It was a Fortune 500 company. And when somebody treats their people like that and still gets away with it. And in fact, they never, I want to say they, because I don't want to disclose the identity of this person. So um, it's not, it's not he or she. So it's, it's they, okay. (laughs) I mean, they said they could do such a thing and still get away with it. And I started talking to some people about that. And, and to my surprise, I found out that everybody had very similar experiences. And in fact, her assistant told me that you know, she had never seen anybody, I mean, she had never seen so many people, grown men walking into somebody's house and coming out crying. And it's just yeah, that I found out that was the way that she manages the organization. And she ruled with an iron fist. And, but she was untouchable because she was delivering results. And that's when I started asking the question, what is good leadership? If it's good leadership, if, it, if you're nice, and then liked by everybody. But if you don't deliver results, is that good leadership? It's not, obviously. But what is, you know, what does the result mean? You know, so that's when I started my uh, quest for defining, you know, good leadership in today's organization. And what, and then I did uh, global leadership research to find out, you know, what people viewed as good leadership and how that ties into what kind of uh, results we need to look at. So that's how I got started. Well, that's great. And do you kind of want to go back into some of the nuts and bolts of that research of the six uh, like ideas behind good leaders in a complex world? Yeah, so there are six competencies. And at the very bottom is self-management. What that means is that in other leadership development programs, it could be called personal leadership. And that's an almost an afterthought. When you have mastered or have done a good job with real quote-unquote leadership, then you can allocate some time to develop personal leadership. But I completely disagree with that approach. 
the most important thing is for ma- uh, for leaders to manage themselves so that they can be a safe person pe- for people around him or her. So the reason why you need to manage yourself as a leader is so that you can manage your emotions, you can manage your thoughts, you can you can manage your behaviors. You need when you do those things, you become a safe person for people around you. When you provide safety, which is the which is the second competency, this first competency at the very bottom of the pyramid is self-management. Second competency on top of that is self-management. I mean, you know, safety. When you can provide safety for people around you, then when they when people feel safe, they can freely go out and explore different options, different things, different worlds, and that it's called differentiation. When you do that, differentiation encompasses encompasses uh, you know letting people self-organize, so being their own 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 people and maximizing diversity of thought. When you maximize diversity of thought and let people self-organize, then they come up with some brilliant uh, solutions to in unconventional ways that you haven't thought about, and that becomes the seed for radical innovation. And then so. And the next, that's the third competency is differentiation. The fourth competency is connection. So when you combine all those differentiated parts together, then you form a very fulfilling, cohesive connection. And that, that's what provides that fire, so to speak, that ignites radical innovation. And then once you do that and people, then if people feel safe enough, they feel connected enough, then, then they can tap into their learning capacities. and by uh, experimenting different things and learning by trial and error uh, through simple rules, that's that is a, that, that's the fifth competency is all about learning. And then the last is uh, radical innovation. Radical innovation is a serendipitous result of many self-organizing employees learning from trial and error following simple rules. So that's how the whole thing happens. That's the process of radical innovation. Oh, and that makes a ton of sense because you have employees that feel safe to come to you and share those ideas, even though they may sound silly to them or, you know, whatever. Right. They can't, they can't, they can explore a little bit more. And then, like you said, that gets to the nuts and bolts of that really radical, you know, lighting that that spark to be able to to get those yeah. innovations done. That's great. Mm-hmm. So in your bio, we talked a little bit about VUCA. What is it and how can leaders and organizations take advantage of it without being overwhelmed? VUCA is volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. It That is the acronym they started in the military a couple of decades ago, and now it's starting uh, starting to catch fire in, in the business world because there's the huge, huge implications to businesses these days. So what that means is that VUCA means uh, that things are very unpredictable and, and rapidly changing, and which is the environment today. Yeah, and definitely. So, and when businesses face those environment, you know, difficult environment, it's very hard, sometimes almost paralyzing for leaders to make decisions now because you can't see what's going to happen as a consequence of your decision that you're making now. And, you know, as a leader, you are being paid to make decisions. But when you can't predict your um, the consequences of your decisions three, four, five steps away, that makes a that makes it very, very challenging. Awesome. So when you <laughs> when you look at when you look at what's driving VUCA, there are four, I mean, three forces that are making it very, very difficult. I should say four forces that are, uh, when you look at what's making it difficult for leaders is that there are four forces behind VUCA. Which is that? Which is first of all, it's a there are a variety of input. New variables are coming into the decision making space every day. 
new technologies, new political instabilities, new you know ramifications from one part of the world that's affecting you through a ripple effect, you know tomorrow. Those are you know, new variables coming into the decision making space every day. So that's one. Number two is the speed of interaction is accelerating. It's getting, things are happening a lot faster. Number three is increased increased interdependence, meaning there's so many new things coming into play, but they are all interdependent, and the interdependencies are increasing. And the fourth is that density of interactions. Those things that are all combined together create a astronomical and exponential combinations and permutations of things that you need to consider, and they're all, all interdependent. That's why things are very, very difficult for leaders to make decisions today. And so if you look at those things and then think about you know, how to harness VUCA, it's actually the same forces behind uh, VUCA that are behind uh, radical innovation. So that this is the most important lesson they need to learn is that the leaders need to learn is that the same forces behind VUCA are the ones behind radical innovation. So the four forces that I mentioned that are making it difficult for leaders are the ones that they need to harness to create radical innovation. So what that means is that they need to increase the speed of interaction. So how do you increase the speed of interaction? You remove any frictions in communication in your team. You make everything completely transparent. You let them use self, I mean, uh, simple rules instead of giving them precise instructions so, to, so they don't have to check in with you, which slows things down. And increase the variety of input. How do you do that? You need to increase the pool of diverse thoughts. So what that means is that you need to increase diversity in your team. Diversity is not about compliance. It's about strategy. So creating an environment where every thought can be heard and produce a, you know, maximum number of different ideas to start with. That is a creating diversity, creating a diverse pool of thoughts. So, so that's how you do the, uh, harness the second one. And then the third one is increased interdependencies. So how do you increase interdependencies among everybody in your organization? You need to make it a more cohesive team and also create an up ecosystem with other suppliers and vendors and partners and customers where everybody's are dependent on each other. So creating an entire ecosystem that increases interdependencies among um, all constituencies involved. And then the fourth one is the density of interactions. How do you increase density of interactions? You house everybody in a very confined space with low, no cubicle walls, and there, you know, and there's you have to be interacting with with each other. That's one way. That's an, that's one way to create density of interactions. So when you harness those four things, that that form the uh, primordial soup for radical innovation. And radical innovation happens by accident when you provide that environment. We hear a lot about, especially in business and different other situations about delegation and kind of their decentralization of decision making and things like that. And those are all kind of, I mean, they're nice, nice to hear uh, corporate slogans that we hear, you know, we are, we're a company that honors individual innovation and stuff like that. But how do you really create that ongoing process where you can make this innovation occur a lot more often? So decentralization is, in my you know, radical innovation language, a self-organization. And it's a critical element that they need to have. Because, like I said, radical innovation cannot come from a planned or pre-programmed approach. It has to be accidental. 
And to be accidental, everybody has to be self-organized, meaning they cannot follow pre-written instructions or pre- precise guidance. They have to be uh, their own agent. So in that sense, decentralization, delegation, or those things are, they're not just nice to hear catchphrases. They are essential for radical innovation. Well, and I would imagine like when you're first trying to research this and stuff, I and mean, there's got to be some type of paradigm change that you feel like you've had over time and with experience from that first interaction with the leader who, you know, makes everybody cry to now. <laughs> what, what do you think that the one thing that maybe really helped change your paradigm in this direction? Well, it's because I looked at, I've watched Circuit City go out of business. Blockbusters go out of business. There are so many people, so many you know, organizations that went out of business because they could not adapt to the new environment. And that's when I realized that any leadership development and the definition of a good leadership has to be tied to the environment. You have to adapt to the changing environment. That was one of the key elements of good leadership. Another thing is that it has the results that it needs to tie to has to be innovation. So, you know, I'm sure Circuit City or Blockbusters had their internal leadership development programs, but they all ended up going bankrupt. It's it's not because they didn't have good leaders. They did, but not number one, the the goal of the leadership development was not tied to adapt ad- adaptation to the environment. And number two, it wasn't tied to the bottom line result of delivering innovation. If they had developed leaders that are constantly innovating, they wouldn't have been in the same place. They wouldn't have a fate of being, I mean, going bankrupt. So there are critical elements that need to be included in the definition of good leadership. So those are the, some of the things that I mentioned. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I just, I think that this is somewhat of an educational problem in that, you know, one of your first competencies for leaders was that they, you know, that this comes from like an eternal, like introspective type of place where they can control Uh their own, you know, their own um, self-management. Yeah, their self-management, their emotions and different things like that. So they're not, you know, they they help um, spawn this environment. But I mean, how do you how do you kind of create this in the organization so that that you see businesses that can flex and change with the times? Because like you said, you want we want to create individuals who are self-managing, but so much of our education isn't that way at all, you know, that we we tell people Correct. what to do and, and we expect that. Right. And then we kind of almost create robots because the people are so, you know, your employees are so used to hearing what to do. You know, right. how can you can create, right. how can you yeah. transform those companies so that they're yeah. a lot more, you know, yeah. produce so, this radical innovation? A sign of evolution and more of an evolved state is that, the agents that constitute the organism, the entire system, are at being asked to live a higher law. Under my leadership frame, uh, development framework, they are being asked to live a higher law, meaning they need to be self-organized, meaning there needs to be trust. You need to trust people that they will take care of uh, their time and efforts and, and, and energy in the way that maximizes a company's goals. And when people are trusted, they rise up to the trust. And it takes a lot of discipline uh, from the leader's part to let them self-organize. And another aspect of higher law is that you need to develop an ecosystem instead of 
exploiting the system and just, you know, viewing the entire playing field as a, you know, zero-sum game where my gain is your loss and vice versa. You can't, those are all, you can't no, you can no longer operate with that uh, mind frame and succeed in today's em, uh, environment. So in a way, yes, I am asking my leaders to live a higher law in many aspects. And that's how you are going to, you know, develop a environment where radical innovation can happen. Before we go on, please listen to this message. If you enjoy this content, you can help us with as little or as much as you'd like over at patreon.com forward slash the luminous mind. These funds help us to continue to produce illuminating content with needed equipment and resources to spread the message of changing the educational paradigm. We appreciate all the ways our listeners help us continue this effort through patreon.com forward slash the luminous mind by expanding exclusive content giving away gifts and giving patrons first seen products at patreon.com forward slash the luminous mind Mind with Sunny Giles, showing us the new science of radical innovation. Well, and they are the example for the people that are kind of working under them, you know, the people that they're trying to lead, correct? I mean, they correct. have to set the correct. stage, yeah, set the stage of what they're expecting. And then, like you said, have that trust that that example will lead them more so than, yep. Yep. than telling them what to do or... Right. Or checking on them or micromanaging mm-hmm. them type of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's awesome. Well, and I'd love to hear maybe uh, best practices for organizations that you've been with that help develop future leaders. Because I would imagine, you know, that these are traits that kind of have to be brought up. I mean, and and to keep your business from going under, like we talked about with Best Buy and some of those things, that a lot no, of Best that... Best Buy didn't go under. It's uh, oh, Circuit City. Circuit City. Yeah, Circuit City. What was the other one that you mentioned, though? Blockbusters. Blockbusters. I mean, but the organization actually has to have a healthy culture to be able to create future leaders. Is that correct? Like, what are some of the best practices for that? So, well, I I don't want to talk about one client because, but there are certain characteristics that a lot of those successful, innovative companies share. The, those, that you know, common DNA traits, so to speak. That is that there's a like lack of hierarchy. There is some hierarchy because you need to have some hierarchy, but it's very, very flat. So, you know, between the CEO and the, you know, the lowest person in the company could be maybe four, maybe um, layers, three or four layers, whereas traditional, you know, companies, it could be maybe over 10, maybe sometimes. Wow. So like, so that the flat, flatter hierarchy and the level of self-organization, letting people organize and the trust that they will they will deliver and let them organize their own time. So that's another one. And also, like, you know, for example, they have a weekly one-on-one meetings of, of like 50,000 people all over the world. That in a traditional hierarchy, that is uh, like 
a bona fide fuckable offense. They go, that's a you know waste of time, waste of resources. And I know how can communication happen? Uh, your message uh, gets lost this, for sure. Yeah, right? with with 50,000 50, people dialing in and all, you know, one one, you know, meeting. But that's how managed uh, that's how successful, you know, Silicon Valley tech giants manage their communication. You get it straight from the horse's mouth. That's another, you know, differentiation. Yeah, uh, uh, differentiating factors. Well, and when so, you're talking about those different layers, yeah, yeah. you know, it kind of reminds me of that kids game where you go around and you tell somebody, you know, you whisper something, but the the bigger your circle is, the message right. totally gets lost. Exactly. And, and that's kind of, I, I guess what I'm getting for. So if you keep those layers of the message has to go through down, then the, it doesn't get lost. Right. I mean, like it, right. you're able to, to harness that, um, the idea Exactly, okay. exactly. So anything that you do has to, um, it, it has to be designed to increase those four factors or forces behind VUCA. And those all, the, all the practices, if you look at what Silicon Valley tech giants are doing, they're all designed to increase those four things, one of those four things or more. So do you feel like there's a way that they can balance oversight, like with that self-organizing team that we talked about, where where it can give them, a, you know, be sure absolutely. Yeah, the long-term focus that stays intact? Yeah, absolutely. So you're touching on a very important point. It's the balance of self-organization and connection. So connection is is what provides the cohesive direction for the, the many self-organizing employees. So if you just leave them alone, then... And then, then it's going to create chaos. Everyone, everyone, you know, uh, going different direction. But you need to have a cohesive direction, and that's what can you do to provide a cohesive direction for all those self-organizing employees. Number one is that the brand essence. What is brand? What does the brand stand for? What is on brand? What's off brand? Um, so you know, the, the in successful companies, the CEO, the managing the brand is not a marketing department's job. It's everyone's job. And then CEO is the chief brand um, guardian of that company. So everybody, you know, knows what the brand stands for. And in anything and everything they're doing has to be consistent with what the brand stands for. And then the second thing is the mission, vision, and strategy. So when, and they repeat, it gets repeated almost you know it gets repeated tirelessly and so everybody's clear on what the where the company is going it gets repeated in every meeting it gets repeated in every um you know every event so people know okay this is where we're going we so we don't lose sight of what, what we're doing so the third mechanism is simple rules and using uh, so for example if a happens then then do b that type of thing so, you know, that kind of a simple rules, not only expedite decision making, but also it provides a cohesive direction for everybody to follow. Because you'd have, every time you don't have to think about when the a certain situation happens, you don't need to think about what to do. You just go. And then that everybody's doing the same thing. So those are the mechanisms behind how a leader can provide cohesive direction for the entire company. Oh, that's great. So um, to kind of reiterate, so we keep the mission and the direction of the company, you know, always reiterating that. And then also when you, you know, using we, the brand essence brand, brand as a cohesive guideline. Yeah. And then you have very simple rules of how right. things are instructed. I think that would create, I mean, that goes back to that um, safe environment that we talked about before that, you know, if there's yep. those simple rules that nobody's going to get confused about, like, you know, they're, they 
they've been told 40 different ways of doing something in the past and, you know, it makes it confusing, but yeah, yeah this it does help um, so that there's quick, quicker turnaround for sure. Let's talk a little bit about diversity. What are some, you know, advantages that you see to having diversity in, in a business organization? Well, it's not just an advantage, but it, it's essential, like I said earlier, you know, essential to creating radical innovation because you need to start with a diverse pool of thoughts. And when you have, a, you know, a stereotypical, you know, a team, whether it's white male team or, um, in, you know, Indi- male Indian team that comes from India um, in a tech company, if you have just one type of thinking pattern, you are not going to have as much of a chance to produce radical innovation. You just need to pull, you know, different heuristics into the same place. Yeah. And, and what can often happen a lot of times is that we're all trying to, you know, um, tell the leader kind of what they want to hear. Correct. I mean, that's, that's one of the struggles I would think. I mean, of why you have to have that safe um, environment, because if it's not safe and you're all, okay, what, what does this guy really want to hear? You're not going to get the diversity of thought too. Correct. Yeah, exactly. So what you're describing is, is a, you know, creating an environment right for a group think. Yeah. So if you, yeah. So, you know, if you that's how the you know, Challenger spaceship Challenger disaster happened, because everybody was forcing to, you know, voice one opinion. They were all you know being forced to just voice one opinion. And that's what happens. You know, when you have just one thought instead of multiple thoughts with equal merit and you think about everything. Yeah. With a lot of different backgrounds, like you said. So that you have that diversity. So do you feel like in leadership, do men or women have an advantage over the other? (laughs) So I want to say, you know, I mean, it's not men or women who there isn't. So what's more important is that if you are practicing those six groups of competencies, that's going to make a big difference. But what my research also found is that women tend to be naturally demonstrating the, uh, the competencies of nurturing and making it safe for people around them. If this is a very gross generalization, but if the women were actually tapping into their innate uh, nature of nurturing and um, you know, making it safe for people around, around them, I think they, uh, women could have a better advantage uh, by doing that, by tapping into their natural um, instincts. Well, and a lot of times women are almost better communicators, too, like that. You know, they don't. Right. Well, again, those are very, very gross generalizations. <laughs> but I, I would agree there is a tendency for that. But again, it's, you know, it's any leadership is uh, a leader is is nurtured, not born. Even if you, you know, you don't think you have, you know, uh, innate natural uh, leadership competencies, you can develop all these things. And my book talks about how to develop those competencies. Oh, that's great. And um, just takes a lot of humility, I would I would imagine, to, oh, to yeah. be able to become a leader and to change for sure. Yeah. So and I, I'd yeah. like to hear maybe some personal habits that you feel like would be great f- for us to get started on to kind of take these competencies of leadership. We talked about that first base of being able to control your own emotions. I mean, where do you yeah, feel so like we I can would, start? Yes, I think what, what pra- one practice I want to recommend to all the leaders is to be mindful. Becoming mindful of every moment and being conscientious and choosing 
their response, choosing their thoughts, choosing their actions, instead of just mindlessly following what comes natural. Yeah. Well, and sometimes um, we were talking about the men and the women. Um, I know sometimes women can be a little bit more emotional. And so that might be a disadvantage for them that they're not as mindful or conscientious of that, the emotions that might be going on. So really getting a good grasp on that would be, uh, and, oh, I mean, well, okay, like we so said, we're doing some generalizations for sure. Right, but. exactly. So <laughs> that's not that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because, again, you know, if you're saying women are naturally more, they're more emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, emotions are what connection is made of. And connection is what you need as a leader to put all those, you know, diverse individuals together. So that can be an advantage on that way as well. So I don't think gender is going to be, you know, is makes a big difference. It's just that how conscientious, and, yes, how consciously you actually develop those competencies. That's great. Well, I'd love to hear what you're, I mean, you're the founder of Quantum Leadership Group. You know, what are some things that you're doing kind of in your long-term future and, and what's that working into a legacy for you? How does that work into a legacy? Well, so the reason why I, write, I wrote the book, The New Competency of Radical Innovation, The New Science of Radical Innovation is that I wanted to provide a cohesive framework. There's so many things that people need to think about, you know, to be a good leader. That's why I came up with that, you know, framework. And it also not just talks about the framework, but all, and it gives a solid scientific background and theoretical foundation, as well as tangible tools they can use to develop those competencies. And that's going to be my legacy. When I wrote that book all along, I felt like that was my reason for being on this earth. And I do hope that it can, you know, it can change people's lives. Yeah. And we, I mean, we're, like you said, the, the world is just getting more complex and we've got to be able to flex and move with the, the complexities and the change that if we don't learn how to harness these um, innovations or these competencies or these uh, things that with our, our leadership skills that um, we can be left in the dust in a way. So yeah, it's, it's def- exactly. yeah, it's definitely a, a needed thing in our, our, our world today, for sure. I'd love to hear, do you have any parting words for our listeners and then give us your contact information so that um, they can find your book as well as your website? Yes. It, it doesn't matter where you are today. Just starting today would be a good step becoming aware of what's necessary to produce radical innovation. And actually, you will. a lot of the feedback I get from uh, many people is that when they practice these um, competencies, not only do they become a better leader at work, but they become better people and they become happier. So I would encourage everyone to start using these practices regardless of where they are today. And you can find me on sunnygiles.com, www.sunnygiles, S-U-N-N-I-E-G-I-L-E-S.com. And you can also find me on Amazon. Just to Google, um, go into Amazon and search Sunny Giles, S-U-N-N-I-E-G-I-L-E-S, and then my book will pop up. You can also connect with me on Twitter. That's great. Well, and once again, we've been speaking with Sunny Giles author of the new science of radical innovation and the founder of the quantum leadership group. 
her website is sunnygiles.com. Um, she's got a great new book and you can, you can actually go there at book dot sunnygiles.com. Um, we're going to be sure yep. to link all that information, including her Twitter handle and some of those things on our website as well. But thank you so much, Sunny, for coming on and helping to light our minds on fire on this really important topic of innovation. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. To learn more about Sunny Giles, go to our show notes at luminousmind.net. Be sure to become a subscriber to our free email list and help us continue production of illuminating content by sponsoring us at patreon.com forward slash the luminous mind to get exclusive content. Subscribe on YouTube, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Google Plus, Pinterest, and now Instagram. To help us grow, consider these easy ways. Tell your friends about us, leave us a review, share our content, tell us how we can help you so together we can continue to light minds on fire and change the paradigm of education.